Welcome to episode 20. Woo! Oh my god, another milestone. Episode 20. I'm hype. Every episode feels like a milestone, though. I'm very excited. When we got to, like, episode 13, I was like, you guys, it's episode 13. <laughs> Can't believe we made it this far. Hashtag blessed. Yeah, I did. There was, like, a small part of me that thought, like, yeah, we'll do two episodes and then we'll quit forever. And it's very exciting that we've gotten up to 20. Because I think And I can, I'll never quit. Yeah, I think I can say about the both of us is that we're quitters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we, um... Proudly. We love to start uh, something and not finish it. Absolutely. So, glad to be here mm-hmm. <laughs> with you. The secret to why we do this is that there is no end point. So There's no end point, yeah. We can't do anything wrong because <laughs> this is our rodeo, everyone. Hell yeah. And with that, I'm so excited about this episode, so I want to introduce our two segments for today, which will be the Boston Molasses Flood and Tanacon. I don't even really know what Tanacon is. It sounds like maybe a dragon, maybe a robot. I wish so... it was either of those things. I would like it so much more. Right. <laughs> if it was either of those things. Um, but no, I'll get into it. I'll get into how I learned about it. But first, I want to learn about something more important. Something sugary sweet that also killed a lot of people. I'd like to learn about this molasses flood. Let's... Let's just do it. Where to begin? So, we live in Boston. We do. We're in Boston right now. I mean, technically, we're in the Alston-Brighton area of Boston, which True. is like your your sort of Jersey City <laughs> of Boston. <laughs> but um, here we stand. The Boston Molasses Flood is also known as the Great Molasses Flood Ooh. or the Boston Molasses Disaster. Any way you slice it, disaster happened with molasses in Boston's North End, and I am here to tell you what that means. I'd like the Boston Molasses Disaster to be my band name. Heck yeah. Now you'll have some context historically. Nice. So you can move forward with that dream. (laughs) Um, I will set the stage. It is 1919, and in Boston's North End, there is a company factory owned by the Purity Distilling Company. They are the owners of a giant tank of molasses. Now you... (laughs) Good for them! Now you, much like myself, might ask why they had that. Yeah, I'm curious. You know, why did you need that, you guys? Basically, they were a distillery, and apparently if you use the right fermenting process, you can use molasses to make, like, rum and industrial alcohol. So I didn't know that. So they, as part of their distilling process, needed molasses to be kept in this huge industrial tank. So this tank was cylindrical, measuring 50 feet in diameter by 90 feet tall. That's ginormous. I I can't even tell you if it's ginormous because I can't even imagine it. Like, I can't even imagine anything that big, much less a tank filled with molasses. (laughs) So, like, I can't imagine any object that's 50 feet by 90 feet, but this is just ridiculous. The tank was capable of holding 2.5 million gallons of the substance. So I'm going to say this, and I know you're going to disagree with me, but I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put my truth in the world. I want to swim in it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I want to. People are about to die. I know that. I in, I, I know that in my brain. But, but you want to swim also, in it. also, my ape brain is telling me, like, it's warm and sugary. Get in there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be such a long segment. Um, I just... I'm I feel just... like I'm going to be describing somebody in their last moments of life, like, struggling to be free. And you're going to be like, that sounds so nice. <laughs> okay, I don't... No. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying what... You're saying death is bad, but molasses sounds delicious. Yes, that's all I'm saying. I get it. No, I, I get you. I think we can all get on board with that. I get Please it. Please continue. Prove me wrong. But so, like, I'm not even off this number of, like, 2.5 gallons. No. <laughs> of, like, <laughs> 2.5 million gallons. Yeah. So try, like, I know you can't, but try to imagine how much that is. So, like, a gallon of milk is aptly named a gallon. Fair enough. Right? 2.5 million of those. 
Go to the store right now and get me 2.5 million of those. <laughs> That's how much molasses we're fucking talking about, all right? That's a lot of molasses. Okay. So the day is January 15th. It's strangely warm for January in Boston, which, as we both know, is usually a frigid hellscape. Yes. But it's, like, 40 degrees. Well, so it's, it's really not bad for January in Boston. It's spring. It's spring. Um, so 2.3 million gallons of molasses had just been imported into that tank that we just described, which is in the North End, from Puerto Rico, and was being held there until it could be transferred to a purity distillery in Cambridge, more specifically on Willow Street, which, fun fact, is right next to my office. Oh my god. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. So many molasses connects. I know. It's I, I knew I could find a way to make this about me, and I did it. <laughs> so we always me. do. So yes, it's being stored at 529 Commercial Street in Boston's North End. Everything's normal. Then, at 12.30pm, the disaster begins. <gasps> there are varying eyewitness accounts... So some said that the ground shook like an earthquake or like a big train going by, and some said it was a loud clang, and some even said that it sounded like a machine gun going off. Oh, interesting. Um, which is, I'm wondering why. But what happened was, the huge steel tank containing, might I repeat, 2.3 million gallons of molasses collapsed and split open from all sides. <gasps> oh, jeez. Yes. Um, so a 15 to 25 foot high wave of molasses Holy shit. rushed out onto Commercial Street at 35 miles an hour. Thir- it was going 35 miles an hour and yes. it was 15 feet high? According to the Boston Globe, it submerged two city blocks within seconds. <gasps> Seconds. Oh my god. The wave was roughly, I can't get my mind around this either, a hundred yards wide. Um, and I was like, that sounds familiar to me. That is nearly the size of professional football fields. Damn. Yeah. That's bonkers. Yes. So. What the fuck? Yeah. As you can imagine, the factory yards of the North End in Boston were quite densely populated at that time. That was like a big factory area. And as you can also imagine, this was no simple flood from rain or water. The viscosity of the substance played a huge factor in the devastating impact of this disaster. Yeah, holy shit. The Boston Post reported, quote, molasses waist deep covered the street and swirled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there, a struggled form, whether it was animal or human being, was impossible to tell. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in a sticky mass, showed where any life was. Horses died like so many flies on sticky flypaper. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, suffered likewise. <gasps> oh, I don't like it. I don't want to swim in it anymore. Good, dude. <laughs> I don't. Want Do you feel to. bad now? I mean, I was I was speaking my truth, so you can't feel bad for that. So I I don't regret it, but I've learned and I've yeah. evolved. You're like I just I open my mouth <laughs> and there is my honesty. Yeah. What can I? What else can I do but be honest with myself in the moment? But in this moment, I'm going. I'm horrified with the fuck. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, Jesus. Which is where we want to live, right between our dreams and our nightmares. (laughs) So, speaking of a nightmare, this situation was a mess. There was total panic in the streets, and people were being pulled into pools of molasses, unable to swim or struggle free from it, because the more they struggled, the worse it got. Oh my god. And as fucking horrifying as that is, there is some very interesting science behind what made the situation so singular in nature. In 2013, science writer Ferris Jaber did some research on the topic, and that research was reported in a 2017 Boston Globe article, which reports, quote, unlike water, molasses is a non-Newtonian fluid, meaning that its viscosity or thickness changes based on the outside forces that are applied. 
For example, if a non-Newtonian fluid like yogurt is shaken or stirred rapidly, it becomes thinner and can be poured from a container. Mm. So it doesn't make sense? Like, yeah. I didn't really think about that, but I didn't know what a Newtonian fluid was. So the article goes on to say, Consider non-Newtonian fluids such as toothpaste, ketchup, and whipped cream, Jaber then wrote. In a stationary bottle, these fluids are thick and goopy and do not shift. When you squeeze or smack the bottle, however, applying stress, the fluids suddenly flow. Because of this physical property, a wave of molasses is even more devastating than a typical tsunami. In the beginning, the molasses was moving so quickly, and there was so much of it, that it had enough force to rip buildings apart. As it went on, it slowed down and became more and more viscous. So it was like a, you know, it's like a one-two punch of it's moving so fast, and it's thinner and warmer, so it's rushing through the streets. And then the colder it gets and the more it's exposed to the air, the more viscous and thick it becomes and the more it's impossible to struggle free from it. Oh my god. Are you fucking kidding me? So, like, even if you're at the tail end of it, you're still fucked. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, all in all, 21 people were killed and about 150 were injured. Many of those people who lost their lives did so in attempts to save others from the flood, which I find sad. They were nice people. Yes, it's true. Uh, They searched and rescued for four days, day and night, and by the end, some of the bodies were so encased in molasses that they were nearly unrecognizable. (gasps) What the fuck? What the fuck? Firefighters ended up using, I thought this was interesting, salt water instead of fresh water because they realized eventually that the salt helped to break down the molasses and hose it into the drains. And also, the foot traffic, just from the rescue workers and people in general, helped to sort of, like, disperse it across, I guess, the city. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that was something that helped because it was, like, a thicker substance, Mm -hmm. but it ended up being more beaten into the ground. But all in all, it took about 80,000 man hours to clean up the disaster. Holy shit. So that's a long time. That's a very long time. So why did this happen? Obviously, the Purity Distilling Company was like, oh shit, this is very, very bad. Yeah. And they said to the public that they believed, and this just kills me, anarchists had detonated a bomb to purposefully unleash the molasses. Anarchist molasses bomb. That's what I would assume. That's when, upon first reading, naturally. Frankly, that's the new name of my band. <laughs> you you ha- <laughs> thought you had the name for the band, and you don't know. I thought it was set. No, it's this crazy excuse by this distillery. Uh, that's my new punk rock band. I'm loving it. I hate them, though. Continue. I also like 80,000 man hours. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a pretty hot band name. Ugh, sexy. So the real cause of the disaster is much simpler and more obvious. It was their fault. Yeah, I'm shocked. Um, yeah, it's the early 1900s, of course. Companies are cutting corners. Yeah. Um, and not thinking about the safety of their employees or anyone. The steel tank was made without walls thick enough for its intended contents, and its construction was not overseen by an engineer or architect. Oh, good. So that's good. Apparently, the company was in such a hurry to construct the tank and forewent almost all safety precautions. Arthur Gell, who oversaw its construction, neglected to conduct even the most basic tests, such as, quote, filling the tanks with water to check for leaks. <laughs> Which, like, I understand this is a very grim situation, but when I read that, standalone fact is hysterical. Yeah, this guy's a, a dumbo, for sure. Yeah, I just, I love that he didn't even do that. Yeah. Like, should we fill with water? No, it's fine. No, it's too much work. It's, it's fine. fine. It's a big cylinder thing. It will work. It's gonna hold the stuff. I don't understand why you're freaking mm. out. It's gonna be fine. Why are you freaking out? 
So those who lost loved ones or incurred damages due to the disaster sued the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, a legal battle which took nearly six years. Um, and the families of the deceased were eventually awarded $7,000 apiece, which I'm not sure what that would be in 1920s dollars, but I am confident in saying that it is not enough. <laughs> yeah, if my, if my loved one died choking on molasses, I'd want more. I'd want part of the city or something. Yeah. I'd, well, well, what I would want really would be, like, a bloody vengeance. Like, I'd like to kill that guy who didn't even put water in the tank. Oh, Arthur Gell? Yeah. I would like to take him and dip him in molasses. Yeah. Tar and feather, but, like, molasses, molasses and, and feather. feather. Yeah. Another great band name. God damn it, we are killing it today. But that's our... <laughs> This is a different creative venture for us. We don't need to bring you into our band. Neither of us play any musical instruments, right? Okay, but what I'll say about Molasses and Feather is that it's obviously, like, a very folksy duo, and, like, I have some Yeah, we don't need instruments, we just need spoons. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I think I have some kind of, like, old-timey, like, harpsichord. Yes. And you sing... And that's molasses and feather. And I'm full Stevie Nicks, like, lots of dangly things in my hair. Absolutely. Um, and we only play Boston venues. And I have a perm, just for fun. Because you do. Because I'm molasses and feather. I love this lifestyle that we're creating for <laughs> yeah, ourselves absolutely. right in this very moment. We live Airbnb to Airbnb. We have no permanent address. People host us in their homes because we're so charming. Absolutely. Are, are you molasses or are you feather? Ooh, we each get to be one. I think we must. Um... I would say I'm Feather, because I really think that you should be Molasses. <laughs> Great, and I am Molasses. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're correct. Oh my god. So, right. I, I, you know, look forward to our EP. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sorry we're not doing this podcast anymore, because we have to work full-time on Molasses and Feather. I would love nothing more than for episode 21 for us to come <laughs> back and be like, this will be the last episode, <laughs> because... Um, Molasses and Feather has really taken off. The great musical mistress in the sky is really calling to us. <laughs> Let's get back to what I was talking yeah, about, Yeah, so though. sorry for that um, quick No, thank goodness for it. Um, all I wanted to say was some quick pop culture facts to Ooh. cap us off. So the first one is that for decades after the disaster, some people said that on a hot, hot day, you can still smell the molasses emanating from the pavement. Ah. Which, that's gross, but I bet they were lying. I don't think that's true. Still, maybe not though. anymore. I don't think people say that, if but the, apparently pe- for decades after they yeah. said that. But maybe like if it was so much dispersed by like people straight up like walking around with molasses on their shoes and like pounding it into the ground, maybe it did. Maybe all of Boston. Like I wonder how far it spread at that point. Yeah. Maybe all of Boston is covered. Maybe you know we're on the outskirts of Boston. Maybe we're on molasses ground. I would love that. I would too. This is a national monument. You can't hike our rent up. No. For that reason. There might be molasses here. Um, And we're right next to that Aerosmith apartment. I really hope our landlord is listening to this podcast. (laughs) Okay, so the second fun fact requires some context. In Boston, we have these things called duck tours. Um, And you know what this is. (laughs) I love duck tours, Um, unironically. But we have listeners in, like, Australia and Spain, so I want to explain what a duck tour is. Fair enough. Um, Come to Boston and to experience it. Yes, please do. So they're basically... Buses shaped like boats, and they can go on land and sea, which is why they're called duck boats. They're like, but more boat than bus, I guess. They're like aquatic and land vehicles. Hmm. I'm gonna leave it at that. They're called duck boats, and each boat is named after something Boston-related, like South End Sally or Haymarket Hannah. Yes. Um, and one of the boats is apparently painted dark brown and named Molly Molasses after this incident. Wowee. Which, you know, like, I admire a good pun, but that feels in rather poor taste. Unlike molasses, which tastes great. Ayo! 
I'm also a bad person. (laughs) (laughs) I respect anything that the duck boats as an institution do, so I can't be mad. Yeah, I think it's part of our sort of, like, when you get your mass license, you Mm -hmm. have to sort of sign a little contract saying that you will not be smirch, Marty Walsh, duck boats, the Red Sox. 100%. Taffy. Yeah. What else is Boston-y? Baked beans. I've never had one. Me neither. I get get down with taffy, though. Yeah, you love taffy. I love taffy. That is something about you. Um... My blood is, like, 20% taffy at this point. <laughs> I'm a true New England woman. But, yeah, so that's the Boston molasses flood, you guys. Damn. That's what happened. It happened. And the thing about the Boston molasses flood is, like, when you learn about it on the offset, it's like, what happened? And then you're like, dear God. And I still, like, I did a lot of reading about it, and there are photos, um, not really photos of people, like, in peril, thank goodness, but I can't imagine it. Yeah. You know, like, I can't it's a wrap bizarre. my mind around what it would be like. Yeah. And I think there there were some things that I was reading about in, like, 2014 or something. Harvard um, students did a, a research project surrounding, like, how it would have moved through the city and, like, the change in the viscosity of the molasses due to the temperatures at the time, which is how I knew some of the mm-hmm. things that I was speaking about earlier. But I just can't imagine what happened. Yeah. The day of. So one thing that I'm very scared of is um, whenever I read about tsunamis, which yeah. is a vi- much more serious and much more devastating natural disaster, mm-hmm. the idea of waves and not being able to escape flooding water is something that is terrifying and is always something that I've been really not interested in. It's more of like a primal fear, obviously. Yes. But it's like, it's very, it's very sort of it really, like, captures me for whatever reason. It's mm-hmm. really, I can't stop reading accounts of that kind of stuff. And so this was similar in that way, and I was, like, similarly captivated by it, but I can't imagine it. You know, mm-hmm. like, you can kind of imagine a tsunami, and also there's footage, which is, you know, more helpful in actually putting yourself in that mindset, especially yeah. after, like, more notable tsunamis of the past 10 or 20 years. But this is, like, obviously... Nothing like this ever happened again. Hopefully nothing like this will ever happen again, but it's just like, what? Like, yeah. I, I did all this research, I still am like, and also, I'm not even sure if this really happened, because it sounds like <laughs> something that somebody just could have made up. It does. It, but it didn't. They didn't make it up. It happened. It happened. Imagine, like, you're a little kid in, like, 1919, and then you grow up, and maybe, like, you're dating, and someone's like, so tell me about your family, and you have to be like... Oh, well, my, um, my dad passed away a few years ago. Oh, really? How? Um, so the thing is, there was a wave of molasses. Yeah, and it's like, you probably were like, oh, it was really weird, I don't want to say. And she's like, oh, no, like, it's the 1920s, like, you know, like, my dad got kicked by a horse, like, it's totally normal. Um, whatever it is, it's gonna, it's not gonna be that weird. And you're like, it is. It's gonna be so weird. It's weird and and sad, and it caused the death of my father, but it was a, a wave of molasses. Yep. Um, do you want to hear my favorite molasses flood fun fact? Do you have one? I do have one. Oh, yeah. Do you want to hear it? Um, so this comes to me courtesy of my boyfriend who went to engineering school, and they, he went to school in Boston, and they talk about the molasses flood constantly because it is a failure of engineering. It so, was. So he's like, the amount of class, I told him that you were talking about this, and he was like, the amount of classes I sat through where we talked about the engineering failures of the molasses oh flood. Oh my god, why is he not here <laughs> as a guest? But so he said um, that the thing that always stuck with him is that even before the flood, it the tank would leak and the molasses would be like a red color as it was leaking out of the tank. And it was starting to like kind of people would be like, hey, like probably it's fine. But like there is a big molasses leak in the molasses 
thing, just so you know. So instead of, like, fixing it, they painted the whole tank red. Are you fucking so kidding me? So you wouldn't notice when there was an occasional leak. That's not real. It's real. <laughs> I bet that was Arthur Jell's idea. That I bet it was idiot. that fucker's idea. Oh my god. He was like, it's fine, you just paint he, it red. You know who he would really get along with? Lansford Hastings. Yeah. Who led the Donner Party astray. Oh my god. They would have just been two terrible best friends. They, I hate them. Not unlike us. <laughs> Not unlike us. Two terrible best friends. Hastings and Jill, that's our new band. No, we're still Molasses and Feather. Molasses and Feathers, that's it. That's it. That's all we can we're do. We're done. Oh my god, god that's that horrifying. Away. Thank you for telling me about it. Oh! <sighs> Hey folks, have you visited our friends at adamandeve.com yet? Use our special discount code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item, plus a free gift, plus free shipping. Oh my god, that's H-O-R-R-O-R. Head over to adamandeve.com for some sexy discounts. The only thing sexier than sex is discounts. Mmm, discounts. I need to talk about something else because I'm scared. Oh my god, do you want to talk about some some shitty uh, YouTube drama? It's a YouTube thing? Yes. Our, yeah, let's get into it. All right. I'm so thrilled that you know literally nothing about this. I'm so excited. So the first thing I'd like to say, I'm going to say a couple things. Number one, some of you might be thinking, Sam, you already did a segment about teens on YouTube. That's true. To which I would say that's true. And the moral of the story is kind of the same in that, like, when you are an influencer on YouTube, you have children looking up to you and, like, that's a responsibility. But this specific incident is so fucking crazy to me. <laughs> And I would add another reason, which is just, um, it's our podcast, and if you don't back us, back the fuck off. Absolutely. Um, Strongly agree. So that's... So but, take it away. But, so, like, so you can consider this, like, a companion to my first Teens on YouTube yeah. piece. So recently I was scrolling through Twitter, just seeing what's going on in the world, and all of a sudden I noticed that our mutual friend Dylan was very angrily tweeting at people. A lot of angry tweets coming up in reply to other people's tweets. I love when he does that. He really was, this just got his goat. And, yeah. I was, and I thought to myself, like, Dylan, what's wrong? What could be happening? And he was tweeting at YouTubers, like, you're giving her too much credit. And, like, this was a huge thing. And, like, I don't think it was conspiracy. It was just bad planning. Like, all this stuff. And I was like, what is happening? I gotta know. So I texted Dylan. And I was like, hey, what's happening? Why are you so angry on Twitter? And that's how I found out about Tanacon. And he, shout out to Dylan, he gave me the resources. Thank God. <laughs> to bring it to all of you today. So shout out to Dylan at Whatchamacallum. At Whatchamacallum. A great Twitter to follow. Um, he's usually not as angry as he was for this, like, three-day period. Yeah, that's true. As all this YouTube drama was coming out. So, YouTube is a, a wonderful place. <laughs> I love it. And it's wild. And there's a woman on YouTube, and her name is Tana Mojo. And she is a 20-year-old storytime YouTuber, which means, like, as opposed to doing makeup tutorials or, like, music or anything, she often will just sit down and, like, tell you a story from her day. And she is a really big influencer. She has a ton of followers. She's maybe dating other young famous person, Bella Thorne, but it is unclear to me if they are just very good friends or if they are dating, but they're in the same circle. Bella Thorne was, like, a Disney Channel star. I know who she is. Yeah. So Tana Mojo is, like, connected to her, but she's a really successful YouTuber. And I'm just going to read you a few of her latest YouTube videos. How to cake your face like a hoe. That's, I think, a makeup tutorial. Oh. I got caught having sex on a Ferris wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Roasting YouTuber Coachella outfits. Wow, is this my YouTube account? (laughs) Get high with me, 420 edition. No. What's happening? Uh, what's another good one? Am I still vegan? Giant Taco Bell. (laughs) So no. (laughs) 
45,000 a night Dubai estate tour. I'd watch that. I know, right? And then she has a music video called W, which I'm not going to make you watch because I did make you watch It's Everyday Bro by Jake Paul. You will not do that to me again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But if you want to see something horrible, come come on over. So, recently, Tana posted a video in April called Why I Won't Be Attending VidCon 2018, a rant. Ooh. And VidCon, for those of you who, like, are not involved in the YouTube community, is basically this huge convention. It was founded by the Green Brothers, who are, like, very famous YouTubers. Who we love. Who we love. And I, it was founded in, like, 2008, I think. So, like, in inter- a while ago. In internet time, a hundred years ago. True. And it's basically all of these YouTube content creators go, and they have booths, and they have meet and greets, and all their fans can go, and they meet in real life, and it's YouTube in real life. It's really exciting. So she posted this video. I tried to watch it, and I just couldn't. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. It's really long. But the the basics of it is this. She loves VidCon. She's always loved VidCon. She loves her community. She was really excited to go. But VidCon decided last minute, last year, that they were not going to make her a featured creator. When you are a featured creator at VidCon, you get to have heightened security, you get to have official meetups, which are, like, in an official place and have security and are safer, and you get to move around the space through, like, the back hallways, as opposed to having to go through, like, the main convention center. Right. And so she was angry, which Hank Green, I think, has since made a comment to say, like, I actually understand why Tana was angry and, like, we did not do the right thing by her, because they were using her image in in promotional stuff. But they wouldn't give her this featured creator title because I think she kind of sucks and they didn't want, like... Oh, so they didn't really want to validate her. They didn't want to validate her, but she is so famous that, like, they did use her image in promotional stuff. So they really just shouldn't have acknowledged her. Exactly. But they did acknowledge her, so she was like, it's bullshit that, like, if I want to have a meet and greet, it's going to be this weird, I'm going to have to meet them on a lawn somewhere, and that's scary and unsafe. That is unsafe, yeah. Exactly. So she had this big, long, hour-long rant video, and at the end she's like, maybe I'll have my own meetup. Maybe we can all just meet the same day as VidCon. And like, fuck VidCon, am I right? And so is birthed TanaCon. Oh no. And TanaCon is a special anti-VidCon that Tana is running the same weekend, also in Anaheim, California, as like an extra fuck you to VidCon. Oh my god. So she decides on this idea in April. They announced that it's really going to happen in May, end of May, and VidCon, and therefore TanaCon, are in late June. So they have what? 30 days to plan it. Now, Tana could have decided, hey, I want to have this meet and greet event, fun and special thing, and like, fuck VidCon, I don't need them, so I'm going to plan a really great TanaCon for when I can plan it, which is probably a year from now. Yeah. No, At t- the next VidCon. <laughs> Tana is a little petty. So she's like, no, it has to be the same weekend in the same, like, city. And it's literally down the street. It's, like, five minutes. They get the Marriott that's in Anaheim to host it. So she she hires this event company called Good Times, which is run by a 21-year-old named Michael Weiss. Dear Jesus. And she's 20. So just, like, a lot of experience. Well, so this person is her elder. Yeah, exactly. He's really smart. (laughs) I'll reiterate that we're both 24. Absolutely. (laughs) So we could have done a much better job. A hundred percent. Uh, we both have special event experience. That's true. But so they decide they're going to plan this anti-VidCon TanaCon, and it's going to be all about A, being inclusive and giving away a ton of free tickets and being really safe and being like a fuck you to the establishment of VidCon. So tickets go on sale and there's three levels. And, And just for context, the cheapest VidCon ticket you can buy, which is like if you're a super early bird 
and you're just, like, a fan, you're not a content creator, mm-hmm. the cheapest VidCon ticket you can buy is $100. Oh, I don't love that. Yeah, it's very expensive. There but are... I, I do understand why it has to be that expensive, because, you know, we have friends who have worked at VidCon, yeah. and um, it is a huge undertaking, and it is a lot of work, and it is a lot of overhead. So yeah. I, I understand that. It's multiple days long as yes. well. So I... I definitely understand why it needs to be that cost. Yes. And it is, like, this has started a lot of interesting conversations in the YouTube community by people being like, Tana's an idiot. But VidCon does have Problems. some issues that, yeah. like, maybe Let's talk we about it. can talk about. That's all good. So the cheapest VidCon ticket is $100. So Tana's like, I'm doing, like, the opposite of that. So she's giving away tickets for $1. And that's, like, just so you have to, like, do some kind of transaction. But it's basically a free ticket. And those are, like, the general access. She calls it featured creator, which is, like, a fuck you to VidCon because they wouldn't make her a featured creator. Ah. Then there's general admission, and that's, like, 40 bucks. And then there's featured fucking creator, which is $65, and that's, like, the super VIP. You get this fancy gift bag that's worth four times the cost of your ticket. You get priority access and all these meet and greets. And she says, like, we're, it's going to be so fun. She gets a ton of very famous YouTubers on board. So people like Shane Dawson, Miranda Sings, Manny Makeup Artists, like, pretty famous YouTubers, especially Shane Dawson, who hadn't done a, any kind of meet and greet or convention or anything in literally years. I would think that he would be a bigger draw than her, but and, I, I don't know. Yeah, so a lot of people after say, like, we came because Shane Dawson was going to be yeah. there in real life. <laughs> but he said, like, he, he later said, like, I went to the first ever VidCon And so I felt like it was important, like, I'm friends with Tana, I felt like it was important to support this other event that was brand new, because, like, competition is good, and if I was at the beginning of this one, I might as well be at the beginning of this one, and all this good stuff. So, it's all set to go, it sells out really fast, and, um, obviously, it was a shit show. I'm excited to hear every detail. (laughs) Oh my god. So, registration, originally registration was going to begin at 9am. Then, the day before... Good Times, this event firm, sent emails out to everyone who had a ticket saying, hey, just so you know, registration is actually going to be from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. What? Which is much earlier than the original 9 a.m. registration. But these, like, sweet, young, YouTube-loving children are all like, okay. And so they line up outside of the Anaheim Marriott at 6 a.m. They're in these huge lines. And when they get there, there are no tables set up or anything. So they're just kind of, like, standing there. Standing there. And finally, tables do get set up at 9 a.m., the original time that the first oh like, email went out. But once those tables get set up, they're not splitting people into VIP versus general entry versus, like, the free ticket. It's just one big line. So the people who spent $65 on the VIP ticket are like, hey, how are you gonna... Why aren't I in a faster line? Because I spent spent the money. And the people with the free ticket, like, why aren't they in, like, a free ticket person line? Yeah. And separated from us so that everybody moves faster. Yeah. And then we all would move faster, but, like, my ticket promises me, like, VIP entry and access. And I'm a child, and I had to ask my mom to borrow $65, which is what I would do when I was 12. (laughs) Exactly. And in many cases, these people ask their moms to buy them a flight to Anaheim. Oh, my God. To go to this TanaCon. No. So, about a thousand people get in. Pretty, you know, it happens. It's a, it's a process, but it all happens. And then there's, like, this big wait. 
And people end up standing out in the sun with no food and no water for six full hours and never get into. <gasps> oh my god, that's so dangerous! So there's so many videos of people with horrifying sunburns, <gasps> just so bad. Oh no! And like they hadn't been prepared, so that's it, my nightmare. Yeah, it really is. It's so bad. So they're waiting and waiting and waiting at six hours. Eventually, the Tanacon people come out and they're like, "Hey, there are." So many people who showed up who didn't buy a ticket. There are 15,000 extra of you here. We sold 5,000 tickets, and now there's 20,000 total. So that's why this has all been such a shit show, and we're going to cancel the rest of today's festivities, and you'll get an email tonight or early tomorrow with the details for tomorrow, if we're going to change venues, if we're going to have a new ticketing process and a line process. Like, we're so excited that 15,000 extra people came, but we just weren't ready for it. Is that what happened, though? Mmm. <laughs> is this, is this going to be a Trump's inauguration situation? It just may. Yeah. And, uh, and Tana does, like, an Instagram live that night, and she's like, I'm so honored that, like, 15,000 extra people wanted to come. We got the 5,000 ticket buyers in, and then there were all these people we wanted to have room, but we didn't, and we're going to figure it out for tomorrow. So the next day, of course, an email goes out, TanaCon's canceled. It's canceled. Duh. We're not doing it. And so all these sweet teens are like, what the fuck? Can I get a refund? Can you help me with the fact that I bought a hotel room and a flight to come here and to meet Shane Dawson or Miranda Sings or Tana Mojo and oh never God. got to? And it's this crazy, crazy thing. But since, there have been some interesting claims of a Tana conspiracy. <gasps> Give me every detail. Okay, so. Tana conspiracy. Tanaconspiracy. Yeah. I just got it this very moment. Oh my god. <laughs> we're on the same page. I'm so glad Go. we're vibing like this. <laughs> so, those who were attended and were in the space are are saying that they were talking to each other and all of them had that $65 VIP ticket. There was no one who has come forward to say, yeah, I had one of the free tickets. Like, everybody involved has been like, I bought the $65 VIP ticket. So what it's starting to sound like is that they were only really selling the VIP ticket. And when they were saying, oh. we also have a $40 and a $1, those were sold out, aka we're not really for sale. And they were making all this extra money by... So nobody really got in free. Exactly. Oh my god. That's the allegation. So that hasn't been proven true or false. But like, people who were in the room were like, there was no one with a free ticket. Period. That I met. That's crazy. Which is wild. The VIP $65 ticket holders, which we later learned was just about everyone in the room, were promised goodie bags that were worth four times their ticket price. And that was something Tana, like, tweeted out one day, was like, if you're a VIP ticket holder, the goodie bag is literally worth four times what your ticket costs. Um, the goodie bags were plastic. Like, they looked like backpacks, but they were just plastic. And they had stickers, a rubber band bracelet, and a condom. What? And that was the goodie bag. That's like a shitty bachelorette party thank exactly. you bag. Exactly. Sounds like they got Tanaconned. They, they sure did. Hey. <laughs> Were you waiting to use that pun later? No, no, no. You got it. <laughs> Tana conspiracy was the height of my punning. Okay, good. So I'll go <laughs> wild with it from now on. And a, a video has surfaced of, like, Tana in a meeting with Michael Weist and the Good Times staff. And they're talking about the capacity. And also people went on the Marriott's website. And the, the space that TanaCon was held in had a capacity for 1,000 people. So the fact that they sold 5,000 tickets, Ugh. they were never, ever going to fit yeah. that many people in that space. So, and they knew that. 
And they knew that. And so, like, it's the guy and he's saying, like, capacity is, like, it's, the capacity is something like 1,200. And he's like, I think 5,200 is a really good number for this. And we'll just, you know, we'll make it work. We'll get them all in. And then Tana, it, like, pans to Tana. And Tana's like, yeah, and, like, people love to be oppressed outside. Like, they love to say that they had to wait in this line. So, and, I, like, it'll just, like, hype up what we're doing more. Oh, my God. So people have been rightfully pretty pissed that they were talking. Yeah, with... and they're like, here's a picture of my um, sunburn that sent me to the hospital, Tana. Yeah. Exactly. And then um, after TanaCon Day 1 got canceled, Tana went to a party that night. Instead of, like, staying to help try to, like, war room the situation. Oh, yeah, that sounds absolutely correct. And a lot of people have been pissed about that. So we're now back to Shane Dawson, who is this, like... I remember him from the earliest of days of YouTube. Mm-hmm. I've never been a huge fan of him, but he's always been on YouTube. Yeah, I just know who he is. Exactly. And so he is good friends with Tana, was going to go to this con, and has produced this three-part, like, making a murderer level production value YouTube video series dissecting everything that happened at TanaCon. It was fascinating. It's about an hour and a half long total. <laughs> What is the goal, though? But Because he's friends with Tana. Is it just, like, a joke? Or No, so he... So what he's saying is basically this. That, like, he is heartbroken and embarrassed that he put his name on this thing. Okay. And all of his fans... Not all of them, obviously. But, like, so many of his fans came and, like, were tweeting at him, like, I'm coming here because you're going to be there, yeah, Shane. Yeah, yeah. And he's like... I could understand him being totally heartbroken. Yeah. And he's just like, I just want to understand what the fuck happened. Like, what right. happened? Is it Tana's fault? Is it the production company's fault? Is it the Marriott's fault? Like, what the fuck? What happened? And it is, like, the tone of it can be a little weird sometimes. Like, you can tell that he is genuinely sad about what happened, but sometimes, like, he and his cameraman will make, like, a really silly joke to each other, which is fine, you're allowed to do. But then, like, the minute, like, Tana walks out, Shane's like, Tana, we have to talk. And I'm like, okay, like. Yeah. Don't make this so dramatic. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy. He interviews Tana and Michael from Good Times, both in this, like, documentary. Tana obviously scream cries throughout the entire thing. <laughs> That's natural. <laughs> she, she she keeps saying things like, um, like, it's my con, like, I take full responsibility for what happened, but then, like, anytime you give her an excuse to, she's all of a sudden like, they told me this, they told me that, how am I supposed to know this, how are they supposed to know that? Like, she really is kind of, like, putting the blame on the event company Good Times. Right. Even as she's saying, I take full responsibility. Well, she sounds extremely mature. Mm. That's what I'm getting from A this. mature 20. Yeah. And then the Good Times guy, Michael Weiss, claims he's going to lose his house. <laughs> and what? then Tana, And then Tana's like, you live with your mom and you do this off her real estate money. And he's like, Tana, what are you talking about? It's a crazy moment. I'm, I'm floored and all I want to do is stop <laughs> recording this podcast and go watch that. After, I think after we record, let's watch just the full hour Definitely. and a half uh, moment. But in the end... Here's what I think. Here's my hot take, which is not a hot take at all. There's definitely room in the world for a competitor to VidCon, but she was trying to create one out of spite. Yeah. And she did not have what was best for her fans and the attendees at heart. She had, like, spiting VidCon at heart. Yeah. And so whether or not, like, the Good Times people or the Marriott lied to her about the capacity, it's still fucked up. Oh, and this is, I didn't even tell you this. Oh my God. So the police later made a statement because they had to come and like break up the TanaCon riots. Naturally. The and TanaCon they, riots. <laughs> and they said that first day that there were lines and Tana was like, oh, there's 15,000 extra people. It was like 5,000 people. So it was just everyone who bought a ticket and only 1,000 of them got into the space. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which makes a lot more sense, especially because they were saying, we're going to sell like 5,200 tickets and then we'll just make it work. Like, so everything went exactly according to plan, and that plan was disastrous. Yeah, the plan was no good. 
Um, so basically, Tana fucked up. Obviously, these good times people also fucked up. Like, everything's a disaster. Don't do things out of spite. And I just hope for these poor, like, 14-year-olds' sake that they get refunds. I know. And that, like... It's just so clear that she didn't care about her fans. Yeah. It's so very clear that she did not care about the experience that would be had by the people buying tickets. Yes. It was so clear that it was about her ego and about her Insta moment, and that is so shitty. It's, it's so bad. Shitty. It's horrifying. It's shitty. Um, I recommend the Shane Dawson three-part documentary. Heck yeah. If you can, if you can watch the full hour and 18 minutes of Why I Won't Be Attending VidCon 2018, A Rant by Tana Mojo, let me know how it was. <laughs> I wish we didn't have to give her the traffic. Yeah, that's true. Maybe if I there's a lot of if you it. like Google TanaCon on on YouTube, if you YouTube search TanaCon, there's a lot of videos. Watch somebody review her video. That's a big thing on YouTube. Exactly. Is like my reactions to the TanaCon video. Like exactly. that's such a thing. Exactly. I'd rather have it explained to me by some obsessive thirteen year olds. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd rather have anything explained to me that way. But, yes, yeah, so it's just been a wild, like, I never would have even known any of this if it wasn't for the angry tweets of our friend Dylan. And thank God. And it's a weird world. It's a weird, wild world that I'm glad I'm not super in. And I'm I'll drink. I'll drink to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and thank you guys so much for being here. Yes. I hope that when we finally ascend to podcast stardom mm-hmm. and we naturally host... HorrorCon. Yes. I hope it's everything that all of you want it to be. Absolutely. That's what I want. And when we become folk artists par excellence and we win our first Grammy as Molasses and Feather, we won't let you down. I hope you're all there. We're doing this for you, is basically what we're trying to say. And all I can say is that FeatherCon 2020 is going to be beautiful. It's going to (laughs) be... It's going to be a religious experience for all of you. And it is going to be at the Anaheim Marriott. And I do think we can get 5,000 people in that 1,000 person space. Oh, we can. (laughs) (sighs) Well, covered a lot of ground today. Thank you for sticking with these stories. Ayo, another molasses joke. Hey. Oh my God. We're bad people. Yep. Stay horrified. Stay horrified. Perfect horrified.